welcome to Milwaukee MomCast, a podcast dedicated to real stories for real parents. Produced by Milwaukee Mom, we'll tackle a variety of topics in a way we hope will make you laugh, make you think, and remind you that this whole being a parent thing can be a little wild, but at least we're in it together. So reheat your coffee, grab the headphones, and get comfy while we chat all things motherhood with a Midwest twist. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah, the host of Milwaukee MomCast, and thanks for joining us today. Our guest on today's episode is Wisconsin State Representative Robin Vining. She represents a district out of Wauwatosa, and today we are talking about some pretty big topics that could each be a podcast in and of themselves, but we are going to try to really narrow things in. Today's topics are going to cover citizenship and how we can model that for our kids, how we can invest in the democratic process. We're also going to talk about maternal health care and how fighting for families is something that all of us can get involved in. And since January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we are also going to zero in on the issue of human trafficking and what can be done to make a change and help protect our kids from this awful, awful thing. So get excited to dig into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Milwaukee MomCast. Today's guest is Robin Vining, who is one of the coolest people I have ever met. And I honestly don't, I, I, I know I say, I sound like a broken record when I say this, but sometimes I talk to somebody across the table on the mic and I am dumbfounded by the fact that they have the same 24 hours in the day that I do. And you are one of those people. Um, I could sit here and rattle off all of the things that Robin has done and is currently doing, but I'm going to let her do it. Robin, welcome to the podcast today and Thank tell you. us about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. This is fun. It I'm is excited fun. to be on a mom cast. I know. We, enjoy, <laughs> we have a good time around here. Good, good. Um, so I am a state representative, so I serve in the Wisconsin State Assembly. I have been a photographer for about a decade professionally. So I own a photography company based out of Walker's Point in Milwaukee. And um, I'm a co-founder of Exploit No More. I've been working to combat child sex trafficking for well over a decade as well and um and so yeah small business owner um used to be a pastor my husband used to be a pastor and um we have a fun life with two teenagers and I love being the mom of teenagers See, right there, just on mom of teenagers is a full-time job in and of itself. And then now you add in all of the rest of that. And I'm just like, my head is reeling on how you find, I mean, okay. I, I, I always say that I think that the whole balance, that whole work-life balance thing is kind of a myth that there is no such thing as the balance. W- would you agree that like balance <laughs> is not a thing or do you just find, are you just the superhero that's figured this out? Oh, I'll proclaim no superhero no status okay. <laughs> on, on figuring out balance. Um, I think every day is a juggling act and you just try and just keep going. And with having, and how often do you have to go then to Madison from Wauwatosa to, to work in the Capitol? I think we all have different ways of doing it. My strategy is I'm generally on the ground in Madison whenever I'm called. Okay. And if I'm not called, I can do basically anything from the district. And okay, so got it. And so for a job that's meant to be really close to the people, I do try to stay in the district where with the people that I serve. As much as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. Got and, it. Yep. You've probably um, mastered the art of working while in the vehicle, I would bet as well, taking phone calls, 
doing any number of things in, from I-94. Yes. <laughs> it's probably will. your specialty. Some calls. Um, I actually, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I can intake a bunch of information in my drive there yeah. and back. Yeah. We have three main topics that we want to cover today. And Robin and I were just talking before we started recording about how all three of these topics could literally be an episode in and of themselves. And she joked that I made the mistake of inviting a politician and gave her a microphone. So (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to do our best to try to be as concise as we possibly can. But we have got three things I think our our listeners are really going to dig today. So let's dig on in here. First topic that we want to kind of dive in on is citizenship. Now, we are recording this in January of 2020. It's a new year. It's a big year. And no matter how you slice it, it is going to be a rather politically charged environment. I think that's fair to say for the rest of the year. So when it comes to parenting in this environment, whether our kids are teenagers, college age, elementary, even on down to younger kids, because they pick up on what we're laying down all the time. We as parents have to model citizenship to our kids, especially in years like this. So with that in mind, when even before you ran for office, just as a mom, as a business owner, as a, you know, member of the community, how do you encourage and model informed and responsible citizenship for your kids? Um, Well, two things, probably. It's really important to me that we as a family care for others as we care for ourselves. So that has been a value um, right through uh, birthday parties. Mm, Um, We would do our party favors. We would always reflect caring for others in some kind of way, Um, whether it's the clean water crisis or sex trafficking. Well, that obviously not at a young birthday party. (laughs) Um, We did talk about sixth birthday. Here you go. I've educated (laughs) all of your children on sex trafficking. No, no, absolutely not. Um, We, we, um, but the trafficking involved in um, chocolate production, um, oh, we would talk okay. about that. So world, that was more worldwide citizenship, the clean water crisis worldwide, um, worldwide citizenship. And then stateside, I think, um, genuinely caring about others. And so my family's been involved with uh, local organizations, nonprofits for a long time. And we just, we talk a lot about what yeah. it means to to, to be in need and um, and our responsibility there. Um, this, as far as politics goes, I believe the most important thing is to be curious and to ask questions. So I think teach your kids to ask questions, model curiosity. Um, when somebody says something to you, be curious mm. about it. You don't have to believe them or agree with them. Right. Um, but you can reflect back uh, what you may think or just take it in and think about it for a while. We yeah. do a lot of talking at our house. There's lots of conversation. I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, I, curiosity is key as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I love that point um, because a lot of times I think we get in, we get so focused in on our like us versus them or that point versus this point that we forget that there are so many nuances to everything and like everybody brings their own background and um, everybody brings some sort of bias regardless of whether of what your background is. Everybody brings their family of origin. Everybody brings all these other things um, to the table when it comes to these topics and it can be so easy to just dig in heels and say like this is exactly this is the way it is and that's all there is and not even hear what the other person is saying and forgetting about that curiosity. I think that's a really great point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. I agree. 
So then with, with you were talking about with your kids and when they were younger and you mentioned party favors and these other things, what are some, like if, if we're talking with directly to parents of kind of younger kids, I just want to kind of break it down by age groups. So we got younger kids, the preschool, young elementary age, they're going to be talking about, um, probably the upcoming election, possibly a little bit at school. They're going to, but they're going to definitely hear other adults talking about it. What would you say are some ways that we can kind of frame those conversations for those younger kids in ways that they can understand without like putting our own kind of beliefs on them? Hmm. Well, it's a good question. I think get them involved, take them to maybe um, situations that won't be as polarizing and charged, Um, but get them involved and have them meet people who are running for office. Oh, great. That's a great idea. I think it's really important for young people, excuse me, young people to be able to ask questions themselves. I think it makes them, it validates the power that they should feel that they have. We live in a democracy where every single one of us, our voice is supposed to matter. Yeah. And so I think giving them, giving them the power to ask questions is actually a really important power. I'd probably give you a different answer for a school board race than for a state assembly race, than oh, a Senate good race, point. than a national race. So that's a good point. I'm, I'm always so I admire the people that have the the courage to do it. And we're going to get to that yeah, in a second. Yeah. Just keep the kids out of the, out of corners. Don't like no child should have to be in a corner with, you know, well, I have to believe this and I'm going to be angry at everybody else who doesn't, who I don't agree with. Like, Ooh, just I, keep the kids the out of the corners. Of like there's something about childhood that they should just not have to get into the corners that many adults do. And it's so easy to, because obviously they're going to emulate who they're around and who they live with, obviously, and who they, um, I still remember um, in 2016 with that presidential election, um, obviously my husband and I were like having conversations around our children about, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, what's, what are you thinking in terms of where you're going to vote? Blah, 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 blah. And I still remember sitting down to dinner and having my kids like regurgitate back at the table everything that they had just kind of been hearing us say and as if like they were stating it as fact like this is the way it is and and I kind of had to really gut check myself and be like oh no because you know whether or not our communication our our debates our mild debates over politics were being taken by our kids as like fact and I had we had to kind of back that up and say okay guys just because mom and dad had this conversation doesn't mean that that's exactly how it is for everybody Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so and I think that's something that and I had to really kind of grow through that in my past as well because I don't think the same way as my parents anymore but for the longest time I did um so it's it is a growing process and I like how you talk about not putting kids in corners um, because when you're in a corner, obviously your back is to that and there's no way for you to move. Um, and being open to different ideas is so important, but it's something that they're not going to learn if they're not taught it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we could challenge ourselves as adults to also not climb into corners, but amen you know. to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amen to that. Okay. So with already being a very busy small business owner, a mom, a nonprofit board member, literally all of these things that you were just mentioning, um, in your introduction, what on earth made you think at this point, I think I'm going to run for a state office of all things. What, walk me through how that happened. Well, I think we've, we've always been engaged in um, issue advocacy. So um, be it homelessness or um, 
uh, addiction recovery mm. or um, the inequity in our cities. Um, I think it, poverty in general, um, the food crisis that we truly have and yeah. um, watching it grow and grow um, and push farther and farther out um, into the suburbs. I mean, it's becoming a tremendous problem. So we've we've always been really involved on issues um and and what does that look like in the past when you say you've been involved in these issues with your family what does that like looked like especially as your kids have gotten older sorting clothes in the basement at repairs of the breach or um as a photographer um doing as much work with nonprofits that served these causes that i believe um deserve attention so working with um made a house that mm. I'm just a big fan of how they care for our women um, who are who are valiantly b- combating um, addiction um, we uh, we've spent my family spent time in those places and um, volunteering with the hunger task force yeah um, yeah though that's been very normal for my family combating sex trafficking got it like, to combat sex trafficking um, and so as I noticed as I went you know, as we walked through life, working on issue after issue after issue, it started to um, strike me that I felt like the root of many of these problems was legislative change. Got it. Needed legislative change. And so um, so I decided to attack it from that angle. Wow. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest challenge? I know there's probably, you could probably list 75,000 challenges for running for office. But as you're, you know, making that decision and actually going through the campaign and all of that what was the what was the hardest part as a mom well I'd say the hardest part was probably different from the biggest challenge Ooh, okay tell me both (laughs) tell me both um the hardest part is watching horrible hit ads affect your children and your spouse Ooh, yeah I bet that is like that brings me to tears just to think about um they're not true um they're terrible they're inhumane um and you have and your family has no power over combating them there's nothing they can do there's not um and um that's the hardest okay just i I dread it for the next cycle i dread it um and what it will do to my my family Mm. um the hardest part, um, actually, I think is important for a mom cast. The hardest part is the second you start running for office, everyone tells you who you need to be and how you need to be it. Oof, and, yeah, I bet. And as if women need that one more time in no our lives. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need more of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, I had someone tell me I needed more arch support in my shoes. <laughs> I couldn't wear a certain kind of collar on my shirt. A certain kind of collar? Well, everybody has an opinion. And um, about collars, the very best advice I got was I thought I said, oh, I guess I'll have to start wearing more suits. And um, and I got in this brilliant woman who I just absolutely adore. She uh, looked right at me and she said, that's not who you are. Mm, yeah. And you need to be who you are. And it was that moment I just froze and I said, you know, I need to be that for myself, but also for every other woman who runs for office. We need to be who we are. Um, it's authentic. It's yeah. what people expect of us. We can't pretend if we can if we're pretending to be somebody else with what we're wearing, then heavens like what are we going to do when special interests come at us when there's pressure coming from areas um to get us to vote a certain way right so um so I think uh claiming this is who I am and then being that person that um that was it was it was the hardest thing but it was also um it was also 
the or it was the biggest challenge yeah um and um but it was the best i mean yeah once i just cleared that hurdle then we just said this is who i'm just i am going yes. to be myself gonna go and in there and just is, be me and i've done the same thing as a legislator as, as well how's um, have you this is kind of probably kind of a strange question but indulge me have you enjoyed it yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um because I can absolutely see somebody being like, I'm going to go, you know, like have this kind of image of this is how it's going to be. And then actually getting in there and doing it and being like, this is nobody thought at all. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and um, maybe that's just been my experience in everything, including motherhood. <laughs> this is not what I thought was going to be. I made a terrible mistake. No, I love my job. <laughs> I do. It is an honor. Um, I see it as public service. Mm. It is just an absolute honor to be selected to serve your people and um it is hard work it is good work yeah and um there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful that I get to do it absolutely we're gonna dig into more of some of that work that you are doing uh in just a minute but um before we move on to that so you kind of touched on it just a minute ago when you're talking mm-hmm. about with other women running for office um m- remembering to be who you are to mm-hmm. not give up what makes you special? What makes you know your your identity you as you do this? What other advice um, would you give to other moms who feel that pull in them to t- to step into public service in one way, shape, or form? Whether it's running for office, but putting themselves out there into that public forum and you know leaving themselves open to like the kind of the challenges that you were discussing. What what advice would you give them? Sure. Um, if you've got the fire in your belly to do it, then do it. Mm. And um, don't be deterred by the impending hit ads. That's it's that's that's just politics. Um, you're bigger than that. Um, so if you've got the fire in your belly to do it, do it, and um, and know your why. So mm. um, someone on my team, a brilliant woman on my team, said, "You need to sit down and figure out why you're doing this." I said, "I know why, why I'm doing this," and she said, "Yes, but I want you to watch this, and I want you to come out of it and tell me exactly why you're doing this." And I said, "I will always do whatever she tells me to do because she's a brilliant <laughs> woman," and um, and so I did, and I came out, and my reason was still my reason, and she said, "I I believe that." but I really wanted to make sure that you knew it with every piece of yourself. And I said, well, that is why you advise me and I do anything that you say. There Um, you go. (laughs) um, But yes, I think knowing why, know your why. Um, Is it Simon Sinek? He has a TED Talk, talks about your why. Know your why. And then um, be yourself. So do it if you've got the fire in your belly. Um, Know your why. And then be who you are and nobody else. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. Um, and so with being you, knowing your why, when you've jumped into um, Wisconsin politics now at, this, at the assembly, you've had the opportunity to serve on a couple different committees and to really kind of go in on your platform, what you were fighting for. And you talked about it already. You were t- you looked at issues of poverty, of uh, child sex trafficking, of um, food inequality and all these things and it really kind of came around to you like to fight for families Mm -hmm. that is your that's when you've got the fire in your belly for that um we're gonna talk for my family and fight for everyone else's family I love it Mm -hmm. um 
tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us more about some of the committees that you've landed on and what fighting for families has looked like for you. We're going to talk about a couple, you know, legislative efforts in particular in a minute, but in just in general, what is fighting for families looked like for you once you've gotten to the Capitol? Sure. So I serve on four committees, financial institutions, small business, as well as health and children and families. And Got children it. and families and health committees are both very busy committees. So, um, which I'm already happy because, you know, I like being busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, most of my work is in that overlap between okay. health and children and families. Got it. So um, I also served on the adoption task force this year. A task force is an optional thing. You can ask to be considered to be assigned to one of the speaker's task forces. And, um, and I, so I did opt to do that this year as well. We recently recorded an entire podcast episode focused on maternal and infant health care, particularly for women and um, infants of color. Um, that would be episode six of Milwaukee MomCast. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and, and listen. Um, but Robin, you serve on that committee for children and families, as you mentioned, and this committee on health in our state assembly. And you've actually been involved in several bills related to these areas, including um, a couple bills that are like about diaper changing stations. So you've got a lot of background and a lot of, you know, work in the last year, give or take on these issues. So tell us more about how seemingly minor issues like diaper changing stations and how, how is that related to some of the larger fights for families that you're seeing get played out at that legislative level? Um, let's talk about the diaper changing thing in the, in sure. the, at the beginning here. There's a couple bills related to that. Can you tell mm -hmm. us more about those bills? So Representative Crowley and Representative Brastoff brought forth um, a bill for men's cha changing tables in men's restrooms. And um, so I'm co-sponsored that. But that is uh, Representative Brastoff had a baby and found that it was complicated to find a place. Where to am I supposed to change the yes, diaper? Yes. And it's again, Which is 2020, yes. everybody. Like how, how is this still not a thing? Yes. Number so, one. So, um, so my thanks to representative Brostoff for bringing that forward. And, um, and my, my changing table bill is different. And real quick question before we go on to that, what does it mean to co-sponsor a bill? So, so can they, you define that for us? So you can co-author or co-sponsor. Got so it. So they wrote that particular So somebody else bill. writes it and you're kind of like signing on like. And supporting that Yes. Bill. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. And then you would watch it go through committee and see if it has any amendments or substitutions. And, you know, every once in a while you may pull your name off a bill if it's changed when it goes uh, through I committee. See. Okay. But anyways. Thank you for we, explaining yeah, that. Yeah. For us lay people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then, um, so then I've authored a bill um, for universal changing stations. And so I authored it, which um, means that we in my office wrote the bill it's an, it. it's an it's a unique bill it's a new bill it hasn't circulated in previous sessions sometimes you pull a bill from a previous session this is a, a new bill this is brand new yeah okay. it's brought to me by the concept brought to me by sarah knowles who is a mom in brookfield whose son matthew um, needs universal changing tables and so we met in february and then we spent the year working on this bill and tweaking it and working to get it right so we did just roll out in december the universal changing tables that is a changing table that is for somebody who is 65 pounds 75 pounds or more mm -hmm. and cannot fit on a baby changing table um and um we learned through this process even when we rolled it out we said it's not just for people who are larger uh, you know adult yeah, size yeah. children um and adults it's also for um parents in wheelchairs who need to be able to change their child at the at the right height um so 
So we um we think that it is a, a fair ask that a parent is able to change their adult sized child um in in public restrooms. Yeah. And that's another thing that it's like you don't even and I will admit this, like I wouldn't have even thought about that until it was brought up because it's never obviously never been something that I've had to deal with. But then once you say it, it's like well, yeah, you know, like every parent should be able to change their child regardless of where they are, regardless of their ability, regardless mm-hmm. of the child's ability mm-hmm. and or size or age or whatever. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up because um, that's something that I, yeah, you don't even think about until that's there as a, as a, as a barrier to you. Well, I think sometimes we go through life and um, we get, we're very focused on what we see mm-hmm. every day. Right. And if you don't see it, you may not know it's a need. And that's why it's really important, I think, for legislators to hold office hours and hear from their constituents and legislate um, in response to the needs of their constituency. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So that's just two examples of bills that have come across either come across your desk or been authored by you simply related to to diaper changing. So when it comes to that, like how how are those bills kind of indicative of just an example of some of these larger fights that for families that you're seeing happening at that level um, for other issues that have like what are some other issues that have come up? Well, I think something we're spending a lot of time talking about in our office this year and last year, this year. Um, you know, like what year is it? Where are we? What's happening? <laughs> Um, maternal health and infant health. Yeah. So looking at the maternal mortality rates and the infant mortality rates um, and then the racial disparities, we have spent a lot of time talking about that, that it is more dangerous now for a woman to give birth than it was for our mothers. And that is trending the wrong direction. So I'll say that again. It's more dangerous now for us to give birth than it was for our mothers. That's the reality. Um, It is more dangerous now for her to give birth than it was for her mother. We and where's that coming from? Like, what does that mean? Expand upon that a we're little. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So we're just and seeing the mortality rate go up across the board, across races and um, socioeconomic status and location and mm-hmm. all of that and trying to figure out what the heck is happening here. Right. Essentially. Right. Jeez. And, um, and so I'm all about the data. So... Invite, yep. me, invite me to your cocktail party. Um, <laughs> let me see. Let me see that spreadsheet. the data. Um, so I think we're trying to put all the dots on the board mm, and then yeah. connect them. So um, we have a governor who says he likes to connect the dots. So I look at maternal health and infant health and look at our mortality rates and the racial disparities and say, how many dots can we put on the board? And then can we figure out? what we need to do. Uh, there is a lot of work being done on it. Um, Wisconsin will become an AIM state. Um, sp- what does that mean? Well, it, that's going to get real nerdy real fast. Um, that's okay. Will- <laughs> I'm done with nerdy. <laughs> so the um, federal government has uh, approved some dollars okay. that can be that acknowledge the crisis that we're in. Got it. And uh, to work towards improving the mortality rates okay um, I see and so Wisconsin will start receiving some of those dollars and um you'll start hearing more about that probably starting in March of this year got that's it the short okay that's the short version it. yes and so um but yeah we are we're, we're really trying to figure this out uh we want to make sure that um when our moms go to the hospital to deliver babies um that we are trending the other direction um do you happen yeah. to know if there's any data as of yet you might not I'm just curious 
curious because a question just popped in my head. Do you happen to know if there's any data as of yet that show like whether it's happening just in hospital birth situations, home birth situations, birthing center situations, or across the board? I'm not familiar with specific data okay. on that. I was just curious. No, I'll just probably a, cut that a, question out. No, no. <laughs> well, it's a good question, right? Be curious, right? So let's ask yeah, as many questions as possible. Um, I, there may be an answer to that. Um, there is a lot of data that it's being gathered. Oh, I can imagine. Um, it's very fun to look at. Um, I just can't. I don't know the answer to it's that It's like question. trying to solve a pu- putting a puzzle together mm-hmm. where you've got all of the different random pieces yep. and just trying to figure out what they make as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. Yep. Well, I mean, obviously, you're literally trying to save women and babies' lives. I feel very so. protective of women and children's lives. Yeah. Yes. And um, and I, if I were to get into the legislature, as I, I, I wanted to fight for women and kids. Yeah. yeah. And speaking mm-hmm. of fighting for women and kids, this is a perfect segue because uh, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We're going to have a couple different episodes coming out this month uh, specifically related to this topic. And so let's talk a little bit more about that topic um, because obviously trafficking has been one of your battlegrounds for many years um, mm-hmm. through your involvement with Exploit No More to what you're doing um, at the legislative level. So let's just spend a little time talking about that. Um sure. There is an episode prior to this. If you look at episode seven, you can listen to our conversation about human trafficking 101 and kind of like what parents need to know about human trafficking. We define it. We talk about some of the myths that may or may not be out there that you may have heard when we talk about kind of what parents need to understand about it when it comes to talking with their kids. So for you, Robin, I want to talk about your background on this in in the realm of human trafficking, as well as kind of of what you have seen changing over the course of those years and what we still need to do going forward. So kind of a past, present, future kind of situation. So considering your background, what are, what's kind of like the, the background that you've had in the realm of human trafficking up to this point? So I have been working to combat sex trafficking um, 15 years, probably. Wow, really? So started more on an international basis, um, was educated on the issue by the International Justice Mission, and learned about sex trafficking worldwide. Then um, learned that right here in Wisconsin, we have a very serious situation. Mm. And, um, and then through looking at what... I, I mean, looking at the data and realizing I, I think this is solvable in our generation, I committed to do everything I can to um, be part of the movement to end this in our generation's lifespan. So um, so for that, that meant we co-found, I co-founded Exploit No More. We, um, at the time, we were looking for beds for girls who were rescued. Mm. Um, and so we, it was important to us to figure out a place for them to go. Yeah. Um, we founded a, on a trifold mission, which is advocacy, awareness, and aftercare. So the aftercare is the beds, the recovery. Yep. Um, what is, I think, most people understand the organization to be about, but it's th- it's threefold. And the other two pieces are also really important. If we don't raise awareness on the issue, I think, and I think we've done a really good job of that over the last 10 years. Yeah. People, people know this I would is agree. an issue now. Um, it's, if you don't you, ra- you notice it now. Like you see, the, I see billboards. I see, I was just driving up to Oshkosh the other day and I saw a big old billboard on, on 41 mm-hmm. about it. And that was, is it weird to say that I like smiled seeing that billboard? <laughs> Does that sound weird? But it, but like it was a good, it was a reaffirmation that like, okay, yes, this is getting out there. It's being heard. It's it's being mm-hmm. noticed and talked about. So mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. It was my 
opinion that if people knew this was a problem, they would want to fight mm. against it. And so um, we needed to make sure that people knew it was a problem. Yeah. And I think we'd, we've um, – when I say we, I mean the greater we. Yes. So many organizations together in partnership um, have worked really hard to to bring that the issue to light, and um, and then advocacy has been legislative change, asking for legislative changes uh, that we think are necessary, and um, educating legislators as well. And what has that looked like? Because I'm really especially curious about that. Um, Personally, because I mean, I came uh, to a session at the state capitol um, to to listen in on a conversation about um, trafficking that was presented to that committee. Oh, that was our Children and Families Committee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember... um, hearing legislators just be really genuinely surprised at not only the um, current laws about that are in place for human trafficking, but also the fact that, you know, like how low the conviction rates are and, and all of this, like they were expressing genuine surprise. So let's focus in on that. What are some of the, um, the things that are happening at that legislative level to, um, to combat this, this epidemic of trafficking? Well, we have the safe harbor bill that we've been advocating for for the last six, seven years. Seven years? I believe that is the case. Wow. Yes. Um, and so that bill, essentially what it does is it decriminalizes prostitution as a crime for a child who is being sold. Mm. Um, so trafficked. Um, yeah, we just talked about that with, with Melania on that last episode where just the language there calling somebody a child prostitute is redundant because that's not – it shouldn't a be a thing because you can't you can't offer consent it's as a child. It's not a thing if money doesn't change hands. So if money doesn't change hands, we call that statutory rape, right? Right. The second money changes hands, we are charging a child with a crime that's unconscionable. It's insane. Yeah. And um, – and, you can probably tell I feel strongly about this. That's good. Um, we have to protect our children. And um, when I say our children, I mean the greater our, all mm-hmm. of our children. Um, we shouldn't be charging children with the crimes of others. Um, the crime belongs to the John. The crime belongs to the pimp. The, tri- yeah. the crime in no way belongs to the child. So uh, Safe Harbor is a law that really vindicates the child, protects the child in mm-hmm. that situation. And, um, and we've had a really hard time getting that passed. Why? It's a really good question. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Good. Good talk. Yeah. Great. (laughs) So, um, I will say, um, I am deeply disappointed at what happened with that law in the Senate in the fall. It went through the Senate and, um, they changed it. So what you can do on the floor of the Senate you can vote up and down on a bill or you can change it on okay. the floor. And what they ended up doing was amending the bill to say that um, the child would have to prove that they've been trafficked if um, if uh, if they're in order to not be charged. And um, I think that on a very deep level uh, shows the lack of understanding for the mm. re-traumatization of children uh, when they would have to quote unquote pr- prove that they've been trafficked so um and just a lack of understanding of the issue so it's a child it's a child if money hadn't changed hands it it would have been a crime pretty pretty cut and dry yeah yeah and so um so i'm deeply disappointed about what happens in this what happened in the senate so what happens now uh the senate can send that version of the bill to the assembly for a floor vote um and if we did we'd 
it's just the bill is not the same as it was. Yeah. So then you can, can you go back to the drawing board and like try, try to change it again? And like, again, this is me being like, teach me again more about sure. the legislative process. I'm like, this is like schoolhouse rock a little bit here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so it's not my bill. And I do want to clarify that it's representative billings bill. And um, so I want to make sure that I'm really clear. I will back whatever process yeah. she chooses. This is her bill. She's been fighting for it for six, seven years. And um, and so she has the lead on that. Okay. And, um, and, but to tell you, to schoolhouse rock you. Yes, please. Uh, we have an assembly version of the bill and a Senate version of the bill. So okay. if that were to come from the Senate after they voted on it, then we're voting on the Senate version. Okay. If we vote on it and send it to them, then they're voting on the assembly version. And um, then it's just so back and forth, back and forth. we could theoretically put the assembly version that still hasn't been changed onto the floor of the state assembly and then send it to the Senate. Okay. And see if they would... Uh, not change it. <laughs> Interesting. So it's almost kind of, it's just like this ping pong match, kind of like back and forth, back and forth until uh, there's a version that both ha- both seats agree on. I don't know if it's ping pong or if they've killed it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that swings back to why awareness and advocacy are so important. Yeah. That that's three pronged apo- approach. It's not just aftercare. You've got to be educating your legislators uh you've got to be raising awareness um of what the solutions are yeah that are needed because yeah. I, mean, I mean i even i kind of got that impression even when i was sitting in on that that hearing room because there were some things that um it seems like the, even just kind of convicting people for this crime is difficult because it's just such a hard thing to prove in court and there, it's so much easier to get this person on um, either drug possession or domestic violence or, you know, whatever, rather than the trafficking of a minor. Um, that the, more often than not, it seems like they're going after the easy charge and to be able to get something, let alone, you know, but not getting the perpetrator on the trafficking charge. So then, the, you you know, as much as we talk about data and how much data is going to mm-hmm. back everything up, then we don't have the data on it because they're never charged for that. It's very complicated. It's so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I care, I, I, I care about this issue a lot, too, mm-hmm. which is why I'm like, what the heck is happening? Um, so, okay. The safe harbor law. Is Wisconsin one of the few that does not have a version of this law? Are there other states that are fighting this similar battle? Polaris quotes 34. So that leaves like 16? I is, it was that, 30. is that minus 50? I'm not good with math. Yes. That Six, don't have a yes. okay, so, wow, okay. You can fact check us and yeah. make sure that it's correct. Be like an armchair expert. But I did with, believe that it was somewhere between seven, twenty-seven, and thirty-four. I need a Monica Padman who like comes I back know, and like and thing, like right? yeah and we'll does do all my fact checking check. for yeah. me. Nope, it'll just be me. Um, Miniature mouse. Yeah, <laughs> I love that podcast. I'm behind. I I can't listen to all of them because they just they're they're so they're long. long. Like I love you, Dax, but my gosh, <laughs> I need you to hustle. Um. Okay, so we talked about the importance of, you know, the understanding of the issue for our legislators. One of the other things that you and I were kind of talking about before we started recording was the importance of understanding the issue as a juror. Can you expand on that and what you mean on that? Yes, and I would imagine that maybe last week's episode with Melania will probably break down some of that. But it's important to understand what victims or survivors, um, we say either, um, really that child that woman gets to choose which term she feels like defines her um but a victim survivor um experiences is um like what 
what they have faced. Yeah. And um, understanding why her cell phones may be registered under her pimp's name and why she may post the ads online. Her It may seem as though she's posted them herself. Maybe yeah. she has. But understanding what really happens in a trafficking situation and um that you're under the i mean you're you're under the power of somebody else Mm -hmm. and um why why might she be connected with drugs um why might there be illegal weapons uh these are all pieces of trafficking that are worth understanding definitely so when you're a juror again be curious ask questions um under try and try and wonder wonder what is happening yeah wonder what it's like to be a victim survivor of trafficking and um and why that might be the case and there's been a couple like really high profile instances of this happening just recently in the national news within the last couple of years of young girls. I'm thinking of Santonia Brown in particular, you know, who have defended themselves and ended up imprisoned and through this whole thing, trying to like, it's creating a conversation around it, but you know, at what, at what cost they're already been sent to prison. Um, and I know there's, there was another one recently whose name is escaping me right now. In Kenosha. Um, yes. That one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was, I knew it was really close by. I think, I think we just, we need to keep asking questions. Don't assume that you know everything about trafficking. Assume yeah. that you don't. And keep asking questions of what it could possibly be like to be in one of these situations so that you can better understand what the reality is. So if listeners wanted to do something to get involved in this issue, to do those things that we were talking about, the raising awareness, the fighting for advocacy, what would you recommend they do? Well, last week's episode, I imagine, was probably very informational, so I would push them (laughs) straight to that. Um, Get the basics down. So Melania was here. She did the basics. She did the 101. And get your basics down. And then um, if this is something that's important to you, get involved with an organization. So we have a number of organizations in Wisconsin who combat sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Get involved and um, find an organization that you feel like you can use your skills at and... um, and write letters to your representatives. Absolutely. <laughs> you should definitely write to your state representatives, your state senators um, about the safe harbor bill. If you have an opinion about that, um, if you have questions, you can ask them. Your legislators should answer you. <laughs> there you go. You've heard it here. They should answer you. I, I, I would, exclamation point. They should answer you. (laughs) Well, again, I feel like all three of these issues are are, um, all three of these topics are things that could take up an entire podcast. But we have done a three thousand three. What what is it? We have done a thirty thousand foot flyover on these three things, and there are so many other things that could be covered. So we invite you that if you wanted to get involved in that conversation more, uh, to get in touch with uh, Robin, especially if she is your representative, or if um, get in touch with your own and make your voice heard in that. Okay, Robin, as we wrap things up today, tell me an unpopular opinion that you hold. Well, we discussed this as a family when you asked me this ahead of time. And my Because you have so many that you had to just my, pick the best one. My family had so many, so many ideas for how, <laughs> how many unpopular opinions I have. That's what family's for. Isn't They're so great. <laughs> keeping you in your place. Um, I run in silence. So um, I guess that is not normal. I I cannot get my head around it. Not that I'm a big runner, but when I at least go out for a walk or something, like I have to just, just breathing. You just listen to breathing. I it's, 
I'm an introvert, so I, it's kind of how I clear my head. It's how I write speeches, or if I have to give a speech, I read it right before I run yeah. out the door, and then I just run it through my head while I'm running to try and memorize it. And um, it's good thinking time. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that being an unpopular opinion because most of us are like, you know, music because we need a cadence, yeah. you know, or, or I'm a big, um, I listen to audiobooks when I, when I out and go okay. walking and stuff too. I, I also like to argue with myself. Oh. So I'll take different positions on an issue and then have an argument with myself while I run. Again, invite me to your cocktail parties. <laughs> I am so much fun. You'll see Robin in the bathroom, like with her finger out talking at herself in the mirror. Like, no, yeah. that is not what I said. You're twisting my words around. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> what about your um, My Milwaukee pick? This could be a place, a brand, a restaurant, a business, um, just anything in the greater Milwaukee area that you just love. Well, I spend most of my time at Miss Molly's Rocket Baby Venture and Tusk. And I'm notorious that is a for great if you list. ask me one thing, I will always tell you for Like 17, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I've heard Miss Molly's has a bomb chocolate chip cookie. Oh, yeah. This, I have you, heard Then this. you have to choose if you want the salted, the salted, what is it? The salted dark chocolate or oh. salted, salted caramel dark chocolate. You had me at salted. But then there's also like a chocolate chip Heath Bar one. And Whoa. so... Yeah. So sorry for those of you who have New Year's resolutions to to eat better because yeah. we just gave you like seven things you need to get at Miss Molly's. Yeah, are... Rocket Baby has a great chocolate chip cookie. Mm. Yeah. I do love Venture Coffee. Co yeah. Coffee place. That those place is fantastic. Great. And they, yeah, and not only do they have all the coffee, but they have, you know, beer that they're brewing right there. I don't know about Tusk. Tell me about Tusk. It's next door. To Venture? To Venture. Oh, I guess I've just been had tunnel vision going in to get my caffeination that I haven't even noticed. What is yes. that? Yes. Um, well, Juniper 61 was like our family restaurant okay. that we would go to for every special occasion. So when it closed, we weren't quite sure what to do with ourselves. Um, but the bartender from Juniper went and opened Tusk, the restaurant at Tusk. So, um, yeah, they hmm. still have like those green beans that Juniper had. Um, but Ooh. no, it's fun. Now I'm hungry. I like a small family or a small or a small neighborhood restaurant. It's fun. Nice. Yeah. What about what is in your cart? This could be something that has been hanging out in your cart for a while that you haven't pulled the trigger on or something that you purchased recently that you are just digging. Oh, yeah. So that's what we were laughing because basically every photo I've posted on my own personal Instagram, I've been wearing this exact sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone should just go ahead and realize that's going to be the, the reality for the next yes, three months. I live here now. Um, this, is, I, this is where I live. I now wear this red and pink sweater. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> and I like it. Okay, so I'll need you to send me the link to it so that it's I can from, pop it in the show yes, notes. That little indie shop, um, Anthropology. <laughs> that, that local boutique. That little, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, and then, yeah, I, I, I've been staring at some things at Mod Cloth for a while. Because again, I can wear whatever collar I want. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still just flabbergasted that you got flack about a collar. It's all right. They all, I mean, when you get flack about not having enough arch support in your shoes, That's you just true. go ahead and, or your hair looked better the last time I saw the you. Only the only thing I could see you getting a hard way to go about is for your collars. If you were wearing like, you know, like one of those uh, pastor collars. Yeah. You know, like were you wearing that? What, like a priest collar? Yeah. I'm not a priest. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I could see somebody being like, girlfriend, why are you wearing a priest collar? You're not a priest. That's yeah. the only thing I could think of in terms of um, appropriate collar criticisms. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it wasn't a priest collar. No. Okay, well Peter then. Peter Pan. I'm, 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 I'm oh, big I know for which the one Peter Pan about. collar. I've seen your headshot in that collar and that white collar with the red. Yeah. That's yeah. adorable. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. need to just keep walking because that's yeah. a really cute collar. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay. What's coming up next for you and where can people get in touch with you? So we do actually have a town hall on sex trafficking coming up in Wauwatosa. I believe we're going to be at the Fisher Building on the 30th of January. Okay. So we're right on the line from Wauwatosa to Brookfield um, and just blocks from our Milwaukee border as well. I try awesome. to be conscientious of that so that it's easy for everybody to get to. Um, and so that, we don't have a time yet, probably okay. in the 7 p.m. range on the 30th, but you can watch our social media for it. So rep.robin got on it. Instagram. We'll have flyers. So we've got that coming up. Um, we'll have... Um, a town hall I do these topical town halls so one of the things about being a legislator that I didn't know Mm -hmm. is we have a lot of educational opportunities and so I see part of my job as a legislator who gets to go to these educational opportunities um, to to share that information with the people that I serve so I'm learning that on state time and so I want to share it with our people that's awesome and um, I think something that's facing people right now is we did um, pelvic health so women's pelvic health in the fall. We have um, an episode on that too. Yeah, it's an important <laughs> issue. That's um, why I'm sitting on a wedge in this chair right now. I sit on a I sit on a pelvic wedge. It's like I'm big into solving solvable problems. Like I if love a problem it. is solvable, let's get it done. Um, <laughs> and pelvic health is something that is a solvable problem. Um, and so sex trafficking in January and then in February we're going to be talking about something probably along the lines of anxiety um, or the relationship between trauma and anxiety how the brain functions oh, that's when it's so been valuable. exposed to trauma so part of my background is in um, my undergrad de- one of my undergrad degrees is in neuroscience and so um, that's something that's very interesting to me I have a meeting about it later today so um, we'll be shaping that up probably end of February but talking about trauma and anxiety living with trauma and anxiety and how the brain functions differently when it's been exposed to uh, trauma um, again invite me to your cocktail parties oh no I could um. talk to you for hours on that <laughs> I, I've been diagnosed with PTSD, so I um I'm, yes. I'm 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 on I'm all about that. So we can talk about the amygdala and the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Um. So um. So yeah, we'll be working on um getting our bill for the universal changing tables, um, garnering support, and I'd like to see that passed. And I'm the author of the Fair Maps Bill, so which is um. Supported broadly across the aisle, across the state. So um, I'm taking the lead on trying to get the fair maps. Uh, that's, that's exciting. Nonpartisan redistricting. Um, and it costs a lot less than partisan redistricting, <laughs> I would like to point out. So, um, and let's see, I'm working on some um, legislation related to the cost and availability of epinephrine. Ah, yes. Something that I talked about when I ran for office because um, EpiPens, the price is staggering. Yeah. And so my family faces that. And um, I I don't want to see families standing in a Walgreens trying to decide whether or not they can afford an EpiPen or their groceries that week. And the price for us changed from $15 to hundred and something dollars with no notice. Goodness. And we needed it for the next day. And same insurance just changed. So um, we're going to look at that. But as well as um, something that was brought to me through that process is also availability because there are areas of the state where epinephrine is not available. Really? So we're looking at that piece as well. 
well. That's something that when you start working on legislation, you realize yeah. there are more pieces to it. And um, it just how, keeps, mm-hmm. there's layer after yeah, layer after layer. When people layer. are like, yeah. why does government move slowly? It's a good challenge. I think we should be held accountable to the speed at which we work. But we should also, but also it's, we're trying to deal with so many pieces and usually more pieces come up as you're yeah, working on Yeah, it's connected something. to this, which is connected to this. So it becomes taking, like a spider web. We're trying to work on that. We've got some gifted and talented education stuff that I'm working on. And um, and then health committee and children and families committee um, will be very busy over the next couple months. I will yeah. say, um, like, with sensitivity, I want to say this. Um, there is a rape kit bill that um, we are trying – excuse me, trying to get a hearing on. Um, and, uh, and so I'd like to see that get a hearing in February on a more serious note, but, um, yeah, we will be, uh, we're hearing, we may or may not be in session past February. So we've, we've, we've lit a fire, um, under our feet <laughs> and, uh, we're going to be working, pounding the pavement, working hard for the next couple of months, seeing how much we can, yeah. how much we can get done. Once again, I'm yeah. over here going, you have the same 24 hours as I do. And it's, it's pretty incredible w- with what you accomplish and what you, fit into a day and the, the, the battles that you're fighting. So thank you for what you do for, for women, for your constituents. And thank you for making time today. Um, tell us again where people can find you on social media and on the, on what, on the online. So rep Robin. So at rep dot Robin, R O B Y N. So R E P dot R O B Y N on Instagram. And if you are trying to get a hold of your particular state legislature, uh, legislators, um, you can always go to the um, state assembly and Senate websites there to find your representatives so that you can contact them about the issues that matter to you. So thank you again to Representative Robin Vining for joining us today. And I am so grateful that you were able to find the time. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, sorry. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. For more information on what you just heard, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Milwaukee Momcast. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone who should tune in, please share it. Grab a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories and tag us so we can say thanks. Even better, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes, which helps us more than you realize. We'll look forward to you joining us on our next episode of Milwaukee Momcast.